0: Here I am. Things that make you go, hmm. Right? Uh, have any of you guys ever, wow, well, did this week make you go, hmm? Anybody? And we're going to look at our world and go, things that make you go, hmm. Or how about anybody ever uh, open their Bible and you read it and it's like, that's confusing. That's a little odd. That's a little different. That's a little weird. That makes me go, hmm, that, 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 I'm not sure if I agree with that. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's right, you're wrong. <laughs> Not sure if I understand that. That's okay. You can say I don't understand it, right? But there are lots of funny things and great questions there. Uh, in our video there and I just played that. I'm not going to talk about any of those. That was just used to get your attention. Did it work? Everybody's attention now, right? All right, so because we are actually continuing in our study of the book of Mark and looking at the good news because we said we don't just have good news. We have the best news. We have the gospel in a world filled with bad news. We want to tell some good news and so we're working through the study of uh, the book of Mark here and we're just kind of slowly going. We'll we'll just kind of see as God continues to lead us and Trust me, all this week I was like, God, do I stay with what we've been, been praying about and what feeling like about what we're supposed to do and, and all this stuff and this kind of feeling like, yeah, God's going to preach his word and he will minister and speak to our current situation. That's how God's word works. It speaks into our lives, right? And so there is still this part that we're coming to today that things can make you go, hmm, even this part right here, as we're beginning of Matthew, um, beginning of Mark, there can be a moment of what is going on here. And it says this right here Mark chapter 1, verse 9 says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John the Baptist. Have you ever read that? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't said, Jesus? Baptized? Well, I mean, well, I mean, well, why in the world would Jesus get baptized? That, that's kind of complicated. That's kind of confusing. Some of you're like, what? What's the big deal? There's a lot more, more confusing stuff in the Bible than that one, Damian. That's a little low. That's a little low, low-hanging fruit there, right? But no, let, let's review it for a moment, right? Like last week, we we laid the foundation. We talked about this intro to the book of of Mark, and we talked about this guy, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the greatest person in human history, that is not Jesus after Jesus, the greatest person to ever live is John, because the greatest person who ever walked the earth is Jesus, and he said John is the greatest, so we agree with Jesus, he's the greatest man who ever walked, right, and so John is a really big deal, everyone, we talked about last week, he had all this attraction, all these people coming, he was this crazy guy in the wilderness preaching this message, his message was what, repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, And it tells us that the entire countryside of Judea and the city of Jerusalem would come out. So he drew these large crowds and he's preaching sin, repentance, forgiveness, get in the water, be baptized. Get in the water, be baptized. And so at this point, if this was again nowadays, John the Baptist would be trending. He would be trending on Twitter. He would be the first ones that you see. He would be all over. He would be Facebook's like, here's your, here's your pr- promoted event. This is the one that you should look at. There would be Snapchat filters of John the Baptist. You could put camel clothes on and you could put bugs in the background over your picture of John the Baptist. You know, this, this guy's getting all kind of news, all kind of attention. Fox News is out there. CNN News is out there. Even MSNBC is out there because it's so interesting of what John the Baptist is doing. Everybody's coming around John the Baptist, he's getting all this fame, all this attention. There's people out there making t-shirts that have a silhouette picture of his face and has the word hope under it, right? And then there's others that are making hats that say, make Jerusalem great again. Like, this is who John the Baptist is. He's getting all this attention, and all these people are like, he's the best, and he's Elisha, and he's, they're making, like, making, like, who is this guy? What's he about? And all this stuff, and so he's a big guy, and he's a bold preacher. He's a bold prophet. He's like, Basically, his message is sinner, 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 fall from, far from God, repent, get in the water, baptize. Hey, sinner, splash up. Okay, next sinner, splash up. You know, he's just going this. He's doing this for about six months, they would say. All right, so he's just like working through the line. People are lined up. Sinner, splash, sinner, splash. You know, and then all of a sudden you read this in verse 9. It says, in those days, Jesus from Nazareth from Galilee was baptized by John the Baptist. Imagine this. Here's John baptizing people, and then Jesus walks up. Jesus gets into the water, and he's like, uh, Jesus, um, you're in the wrong line. Jesus, this, this isn't for you. In fact, the book of Matthew, we're in Mount Mark, Matthew shows that John actually kind of has this little moment where Jesus is like, "Hey, hey, you're supposed to baptize me. I'm not supposed to baptize you. Like, no, no, you, you got this wrong, Jesus. You're in the wrong line. And I just want you to know, you were thinking, oh, things that make you go, hmm, that's not one. No, this confused John. And he's the baptizer. And he was confused while Jesus was in the line for being baptized. Okay? So it, it is this moment of, like, why would he do that? Because John says, it is this told you, and we told last week, it was a baptism of repentance and forgiveness. So... What do we believe about Jesus? His entire life was perfect, sinless. There was no sin in him. So, why would Jesus be baptized? All of a sudden, some of your heads just exploded. Oh, that's why. What what in the world? Like, okay, what's going on? Jesus is going into the waters of repentance. And so I want you to know your Bible. I want you to know theology. I want you to stand on Scripture. I want you to know some things. So we're going to dive into this question that many of you probably already know the answers to. And you can help me out here in a minute. But here's what I, I, I want us to see today. The big idea, if you've got to check out early, if we all get an emergency alert on our phone, if the Internet goes down, here's the big idea that I want you to know today, all right, is Jesus' baptism Shows us who he is so you can know who you are. Amen. All right? Jesus' baptism shows us who he is. And then in reverse, it's in return, it's gonna show us who we are. We're gonna talk about Jesus' identity. First, we're gonna see his, his humanity his divinity, and his identity. All wrapped up in his identity, all right? So let's read the full passage here, the full, first, full three verses of Jesus' baptism. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, "'You are my beloved Son.'" with you, I am well pleased. Well pleased. So let's start with Jesus' humanity. Jesus' humanity, if you're writing down your notes. John Mark is... The author, Mark, is just setting the stage here. You know, at the beginning, he talked a little bit about Jesus. So we talked about that last week, the Messiah, the Son of God. He made that, that, that clear. Now we're like meeting Jesus in person. And this is his introduction. And the first thing he says is that he came from Nazareth of Galilee. Well, I mean, well, the, He makes the point to tell us where Jesus comes from. He makes a point to tell us that Jesus did not just drop out of heaven, as a full-grown man, no, he wasn't like Thor coming to earth. No, like he, he, he didn't just drop out and randomly appear. He tells us that he's from the town of Nazareth. Matthew and Mark, their, their gospels go on and tell us that Jesus had a mother named Mary and that she conceived him by the miraculous birth of the Holy Spirit. This what is to celebrate at Christmas, right? You guys know the story, right? Mary. And then he was raised by his adopted father, Joseph. Raised him, taught him the trades that he did. And then we read later on in the book of Mark, that Jesus had brothers and sisters. We read one of his brother's uh, books in the Bible, James here later on, right? Could you imagine that being Jesus's brother? That would be challenging. Um, but anyway, so he tells us that he comes from Nazareth. And, the, and it's just this little thing, this little statement, but it's, it's really kind of important and it kind of like says a lot. Like, I mean, you think about it how often when you're meeting someone you get to know someone you're new here at the church we say oh where are you from did you just move to the area did you where where are you from yeah that's a big question why do we always not want to know where someone is from because sometimes it can tell us a lot about a person or we we assume things about people of where you are from like i can tell you hey i'm I, i i was born in new york and right away, some of your minds just go, wow, big city guy. He was born in New York City. Well, I didn't say I was born in New York City. I was born in Long Island, New York. Well, that was just right next to New York City. Well, Actually, I was way out on Long Island, New York, a little bit more rural, small town. And so you see like, how your perception just changed of like, who you are, be like, Damien, you always go to Georgia. I thought you're from Georgia. Yeah. When I was like five years before my fifth, by my fifth birthday, we had moved to Georgia. And sometimes I've told you guys Atlanta because that's kind of the vicinity, the region of it. But we actually grew up, I moved to this little small town at that time. It's grown now, but it was this little kind of almost hillbilly town called Canton. Canton, Georgia is where I pretty much grew up. And so I had lots of cousins, there's like 25 of us. And they all like lived in Marietta, Roswell, like other places closer to Atlanta. And they honestly always made fun of us for living in Canton. That was always the ongoing joke at family reunions of like, oh, the McCranks, they don't know, they're from Canton, that little hillbilly town, right? So like, I mean, like, you ever notice like we like make fun of people that are like from Plano or something like that, right? Um, <laughs> and so like, uh, you know, that we, there always this and like, you would think that would go away. But honestly, <laughs> just a few weeks ago, um, my brother and a cousin were having a political debate on Facebook because it's a great place to win family over, display unity and love for one another. And like, it's a great place to, to convince people there. But they were talking about it. And my cousin at 47 years old says to my brother, who's like 42, and he's like, well, I wouldn't expect anything different from someone from Canton. Like still like and I'm like okay wow like so you understand small town little rural area you know you get all these ideas and in fact they did the same thing to Jesus when 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 Nathaniel one of they they asked Nathaniel hey we found the Messiah come follow him what's his response can anything good come from Nazareth can anything good come from there? I mean, that's like a small town. People would say, some, studies, some historians would say, like, this is a small town of 100 people, very poor, very rural, very uneducated. You're thinking blue class, collar worker um, folks. You know, this is where Jesus worked a very humble life for the first 30 years of his life, just kind of swinging a hammer. And I I want you to get that Jesus is humanity. Jesus understands what it's like to struggle. He understands what it's like to work. He understands what it's like to be hungry. He understands what it's like to go through difficult times, emotional times. Jesus came as a human by his own choice. He understands hardships because Jesus lived just like us. So Jesus is like kind of off the scene. He comes from Nazareth and all of a sudden he's standing there by the Jordan River to be baptized by John. He's never preached a sermon. He's never performed a miracle. He's never cast out a demon. He hasn't, he's lived in obscurity up until this point, and now he, he's, he's starting his public ministry. And so, as I was just kind of, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, like, why, why does Jesus get baptized? And I had this whole entire big study ready of, like, in all these academic turns and all these academic words, and I started going through it, and I got bored with my own sermon, okay? And I knew if I was going to get bored with my own sermon, you guys are going to get bored with my own sermon, so I took my advice of my friend down in Texas, uh, Brian, uh, Byron, who said this, so we're going to play a little game called true or false, all right? True or false, you guys are engaged, you guys are going to help me preach my sermon at this part right here, uh, like, and you don't, you don't get a prize at the end, so I don't how many prizes, um, but you do get to show your friends how smart you are next time you're together, because you'll know these answers. All right, so here we go. Uh, here's the question is, the big idea is, why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? Was Jesus baptized to repent of his sin? True or False false look at you guys gave you an easy one to start off there that is good yes we know that all right that we know that jesus lived without sin he had no sin to repent of or to be forgiven of he was perfect in every way he was conceived of the holy spirit and Jesus' baptism was not one of repentance number two jesus wanted to be famous False, absolutely false. You guys are so smart, so good, right? Some people argue that, that Jesus came and he kind of stealing the show from John. John's got all these attentions. John's got all these people. He's got some disciples. He's gonna go down there and kick off his ministry. No, whole ministry of John was to point to Jesus. When Jesus showed up, he says, follow him, right? So he's pointing people to Jesus. So that kind of crumbles on itself when people that would argue that, right? That's not the point. All right, number three. Uh, Jesus was endorsing John's ministry. True or false? True. Yes, that is right. That's a a little bit trickier one, a little bit trickier one. But we're told last week that John was prophesying, that he was the messenger that was prophesied of like 400 years earlier and by Malachi that he would come and prepare the way of the Messiah, the one coming to get people ready to receive Jesus. And so Jesus, by going in and being baptized, he's like saying, hey, this is the messenger. This is the one that had come to prepare the way, and now I am here. He was faithful to do what he was called to do, and now I am here. All right, number next one. John, Jesus' is baptized, baptism set an example for Christians. True. Yeah, true. You guys are like, man, one are these going to get hard? Absolutely, yes. Hey, um, <clears throat> Jesus does not call us to do anything he's unwilling to do himself. Right. He's not going to call us to do something. He's not willing to do himself. So he shows us the significance, the importance of baptism. Jesus was baptized to show us that this is good, this is right, this is going. Follow me in every way, and he went in the waters of baptism. So do that. All right. Here's a little bit. Here's the interesting one. Jesus was baptized to cover his ignorance. False. And I want you to know this because there is false. Gospels out there. There is false doctrine out there. In fact, there's this thing called the Gospel of the Nazarene, and it's supposed to cover the silent years of Jesus where Jesus was and, and, and what he did and so there's this thought this idea that Jesus wasn't quite you know knowing who he was when he was young and he wasn't quite fully God and fully man at that time and so he might have made some mistakes and it's covered and so in his ignorance of not knowing what sin was and not knowing who's calling like he's going to get baptized just to cover it like Mary like even like said is like Mary brought him down to go meet John and stuff like this because hey like Jesus, there might have been this moment that you ate the last cookie in the cookie jar and you blamed your brother James. Like, so let's just get in the water and make that clear. Like, that is wrong, that is false, that is terrible, but you need to be aware of there's false gospels out there, there's false things, so you need to know the word. Okay, so Jesus, again, had no sin, he had no ignorance that he needed repentance of. Jesus is awesome. Number six, Jesus was adopted by his father in that moment. False. Some would, again, false doctrines, false beliefs of who Jesus is. Listen, a lot of New Age stuff is creeping into the church. To some of you, this seems like so plain, so simple, but it is creeping in, and it's this idea that Jesus was adopted by the Father in that moment because of his good works, his good deeds, that Jesus had in that moment. It was this moment of ascension that, like, now he became divinity in that moment, and that is wrong. God has always been his Father, always will, always was, always forever will be, okay? So that is false. Number seven, Jesus wanted to identify with sinners. True true how did jesus die jesus was between crucified on a cross between two criminals how does he get baptized between two sinners sinner went before him sinner went after him in fact the prophet isaiah Isaiah says 700 years beforehand he says that jesus would be counted among the transgressors (laughs) there you go So Jesus is humanity. He's 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 identifying his humanity with us. Here's a little bit trickier one. Jesus hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. Some people will say. Yes, the false. There we go. We got someone on the front row that's very adamant. No, false. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus had the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. And so we know that Jesus didn't just live this good life and and sinless on his own. Like, no, he had the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. But I would say it was rather he revealed the Holy Spirit in that moment. He reveals the Holy Spirit in that moment. Number nine. Got two more left. Jesus' baptism began his ministry. True, true. Up until this point, we said Jesus has been living in Nazareth, ordinary life, kind of like blue-collar jobs, swinging a hammer, doing the rule, obscure thing. You know, now Jesus goes into the baptism, comes out of it, and now he is going into ministry. And some would say this is a clean break. Some commentators say this is a clean break from his old life, from like connecting with family to like, hey, this is my vision. This is my mission. This is what I'm here for, going to do this. The same as it is for when you, when you jump into the waters of baptism, You're leaving that old life behind, new life ahead of you. Old things behind, stepping into what is ahead. You start those ministries that God has in your heart and called to do that. All right. Last one. Jesus' baptism foreshadows his death, burial, and resurrection true amen right right there right jesus begins his ministry the way he ends his ministry he is showing us from the very first pages of mark of what he came for he came to give his life to die to go into the waters and come out resurrected a new just as at the end he goes to the cross dies is buried in the tomb and rises again Jesus' baptism makes no sense apart from the cross okay He was showing us that. All right. So we see that Jesus is humanity. We see that he did these things, that he was a human in every way, yet fully God and fully man. In Bible school, we always called him the 200% man, right? (laughs) 200% man. So there's his humanity, divinity, Jesus' divinity. Listen to this. It's so beautiful. He said, get a sip of water here. He said, when he came up out of the waters... Immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Man, I want you to picture this again. Up until this moment, nobody knows who Jesus is. Up until this moment, Jesus is just another guy in line to get baptized. Duncan, sinners, Duncan, sinners, forgiving. And then Jesus steps in. And then all of a sudden, what does it say? Immediately, immediately the heavens were torn open. I don't know what that looks like, but that's incredible. Does anybody have like, just a mat? like the heavens are just ripped open, just torn open in that moment. And God says, this is my son. The Holy Spirit comes on him, not like a little bird comes, lands on him. Holy Spirit, like a dove. Comes like a dove, and this—that's the best way they could describe it. It comes upon him. Like, could you imagine like that moment of all—whoa—all this is happening? Could you imagine you're the next guy in line after that? You're like, uh, hey, you want to go next? I'm kind of—I'm not, not—not not too sure about these baptism waters, right? Like that—that's that's quite a moment if like you're the next one in line and get baptized. Like this is crazy. What is he doing? God, God is setting us and telling us right here. This is my son this is my son a lot of people would say oh, i don't know if jesus is really the son of god oh, does the bible really say that yes it does yes it does god makes it abundantly completely clear completely clear heaven is torn open that's impressive that is not a natural phenomenon that happened in that moment that jesus went into the water That was something that God was doing. Then the spirit descends, and then, not on top of that, if you miss the first two of a spirit coming down and the heavens being torn, here's a big, loud, audible voice of, this is my son and who I am well pleased. I mean, like, everyone around is, like, clear, clear. Like, that didn't happen with anybody else getting baptized. This is him setting it up. And some people are like, man, if God would just reveal himself, he would just show himself, guess what? I don't know if you would still believe. Because we are just so skeptical. We have such a hard time of honestly believing that God is saying these things. And God is the one who says it. And it's all authority in him. And it's his word. And he is the one that is above it all. He exists over the earth, over heaven, over everything. No one is above him. And he is declaring, this is my son. I don't know, I want to get, can I go to the authority? It's like going to your boss and asking, hey, can I talk to your boss? No, he is the boss. There is no more boss beyond the boss, right? (laughs) And then there's this beautiful moment. It's this beautiful moment of like, you think about it, the Trinity is all present there. It's like this moment, it's like a family reunion. Like Jesus has been in obscurity, he's been kind of quiet, and he comes on the show, comes on the scene, starting his ministry, he comes on this, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there descending on him like a dove, and the Father speaks. All of the Trinity, Do you know, the hardest part to describe in Bible teaching and theology is the Trinity, but all we know is that we see it right here. All three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, in complete loving unity. That's the only way we can describe it. Is see it, they're all right there, all right there. So Jesus' baptism is showing us who he is. He is God with us, Emmanuel, fully God, fully human. Jesus, the one that history's been waiting for, the one that everybody's been pointing to, waiting for scriptures, songs written about him, like longing for him to come. This is Jesus' divinity. And the Father speaks. Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk this earth. Greatest, most significant. History changed around him more more than any other person in human history. More songs have been sung about him. More paintings have been painted of him. More books have been written about him. There's more that are talked about him. The church of Jesus Christ, more people, no matter what the world says, more people worship Jesus than any other God. Because he is the one true God of every ethnic, language, background, tribe, tongue, nation. Come and worship him as God. Because it is the good news. It is the best news. Listen. Again, there are lies out there that say, oh, all religions are kind of the equal. They all lead to the same place. All ideologies and all philosophies, they all kind of look the same. No. Every single one of them looks foolish. Foolish compared to the gospel. Compared to the gospel. Because every other religion, what does it teach you? Make your way to God. Fix yourself up. Clean yourself up. And if you do enough, you work hard enough, you can become like God. You can become your own God. You can become the God within you. And you can help and you can carry yourself. and You can find the things inside of you. Well, guess what? What's inside of you? Sin, disgustingness, evilness. I don't want to find that stuff coming out. Like your inner self. Just find your inner self. My inner self is evil terrible, sinful. My evil self, my inner self needs change, needs a savior. Everything else is like work your way to God. Dress this way. Act this way. Travel to this place, this holy spot, and this holy land, and give your money to this, and give your money to this. And and one day, if you work hard enough, you'll reincarnate. If you do enough karma, and you'll come back as somebody better. No. No. All of those traditions One with God, you'll become your own God. Christianity comes and says, You can't make your way to God, but God comes and makes his way to you. Everybody else says, Everybody else says, Right? Only our God. But it's not about becoming God. It's like our God became one of us in order to save us, in order to change us, in order to renew us. Our God humbled himself, stepped down from heaven into human history, humbled himself as a man. And he suffered as we suffered and weeps as we weep and loves as we leave, love and, and feels as we feel and lived this life here. And he died a death that we deserved and took our sins. That's our savior. That's, our, that's this belief that we have that is above everything else. One more last point. Number three point is Jesus' identity it shows this Identity. Jesus knew who he was. And again, Jesus knew who he was, so he knew what he was supposed to do. He knows why he came, because he knew who he was. Again, remember we talked about last week. 400 years of silence. God not speaking, God not moving, no no tangible presence of God. And then the voice that they hear amongst the crowd of people is, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased This is my son. That is the theme of the book of Mark that you see over and over. Jesus' identity as a son. He sees himself as the son of God. In the New Testament, Jesus calls, calls himself the son of God 127 times. 164 times additionally, Jesus calls God his father. There's a personal, intimate relationship between the father and the son. And listen, this would turn the Jewish culture on its head. They, they, like in the Old Testament, they believed and they saw God as a father, but they more saw him as a father of a nation, not a father of a man, of an individual person. And Jesus comes along and he's saying, no, I personally know him. He's like not just the father of the nation of Israel. He is my father. The Jewish culture is like, what? And then the Roman culture, like this was like very unpopular to say because like, in that day uh the caesars the emperors of that day would like would, would set themselves up as gods so they would be feared and they would be worshiped and no one would go against what they would say but then when they would die they would say that their son was the son of god so they essentially got their god-like stuff and they got to be worshiped and got to continue to rule and reign with this this idea and so jesus comes along and says no I am the very Son of God. We have the same source, the same essence, the same way. We are together. And Jesus, God is saying in that moment that (laughs) He is worthy, my Son is worthy to be worshiped as I am. He's worthy to be honored and receive glory as I am. He has prominence and preeminence as I do. And He rules and reigns in authority as I have given Him. We have a shared identity. And he says, I am pleased with him. I'm pleased with him. So, why is this so important? Why is it so important that he says that he is pleased with him? Once you already pointed out before, up until this point, since Jesus has not done anything. He's never preached a sermon, he hasn't performed a miracle. He hasn't fed 5,000 people. He hasn't called his disciples. He hasn't cast out demons. He hasn't healed a single person. He hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't been resurrected. What I want you to see is that the Father is pleased with him before he does anything. And Jesus' identity is that of a son. And the Father is pleased with him. And I think we get, we we can even wrestle with that theologically, and maybe we can come to this point in this place that God is our Father. But I think sometimes more of our hang-up is not this idea that He's just like this Father that's up there. It's more this blockage that happens in too many people's hearts is that it's more relationally than theologically. Because I told you earlier at the beginning, Jesus' baptism shows us who Jesus is so we can know who we are. So we can know who we are. And that's our identity as sons and daughters. Romans 8, 15 and 14 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you Brought about your adoption to sonship so that we might cry, Abba, Father. What Jesus's sonship, then he turns around and he gives it to us, so that our Father in heaven see when he sees us, when he sees his daughter, when he sees his son, he sees Jesus and he sees them as adopted, and we can turn around and say, "Abba, Father." And many of you, your entire life, you have longed for your father to say, "I am proud of you." You have longed for your father to say, "I." I. I support you, I affirm you, I encourage you. You've spent your entire life seeking the approval of others around you because you never got the approval of your father. And there's this beautiful moment that when God says he is proud of him, that that is now transferred to us because of what he has done on our behalf. He opens it up. And so I said, it's like theologically, maybe we can get it. But relationally, you need to understand whether whoever your dad was, whether he was distant, absent, gone, good father, bad father. I've been a father. I've been a single dad this week. I have a new appreciation. My wife, Nancy's out of town. New appreciation, new praise for single parents. Way to go. Amazing. Awesome. All right. But I have lost it sometimes. I've made some people cry. Okay. (laughs) But listen, no matter even if you have a pastor that is a dad, You have a better father. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never walk out on you. He will never abuse you. He will never abandon you. He will never forget you. He will never ignore you. He will be there because he is your father. And he's saying, this is my son. This is my daughter. I love you guys because of what Jesus has done on your behalf, that we inherited it. Sonship that comes from him. And so here's where this ties into where we are today. This week, as we all know, it was a heavy week. Just praying and confusing and like how to even respond, processing what to say. These are confusing, complex, hurtful times. And I think of our God again as a father in heaven looking down and seeing his children hurt, confused, the distance, the hurt. God's first day saying, Hey, don't forget your identity. Don't forget who you are, and the way you know who you are is whose you are. You are mine. You are mine. So don't fall, don't, don't forget your identity. When you start wanting to give in to fear, giving in to worry, giving in to anxiety, becoming paralyzed of what to do, you remember whose you are. You belong to Him. You belong to him. And listen, we have been sold fear for far too long. Every single day we are being peddled and sold fear. Fear from the virus, fear from what happens if this person gets in office and if this person doesn't leave office and if this doesn't happen. And fear, 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 fear. And when we're full of fear, we start turning on each other. But here's what Jesus says. I talked about this in that Jesus and politics message, but we've got to come back to it. John 17, 20 to 23. My, and this, he's praying for us again. My prayer is not for them alone. My prayer is also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about us. That they all, them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved me, even as you have loved me. Amen. So here's what, here's what happens. Here, uh, Levi and Jade, come here for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Come here. I just want to, I want to show something. Come here. Oh, come on. I'll give you that. Wow. Okay. You'd rather be embarrassed than doing that. Okay. I'll come to you guys. All right. So this is my daughter, Jade, and my son, Levi. And it's going to come short of the illustration of who God is. He's our heavenly father. And he has made each and every single one of us sons and daughters in him. But we're in this moment right now of like this. Now let's say Levi believes, he's got a red hat on, he believes that there is something going on, that our nation is being robbed, that it's being stolen, that that he's gotta rise up and do something, okay? And Jade is my daughter and she's like, Levi, you're crazy, you're buying into all this news and then they're both being fed just so much other information. And they're looking down and they're looking at all the other things and hearing all the other voices and they're fighting with each other and arguing with each other. Does it change that I'm still their father? Am I I still their father? I'm still their father. Whether they agree and have different opinions, it doesn't change the fact that I'm their father. And so often we get so busy doing this that we forget that we have the same Father. And we can have our perspective and our thoughts of what is going on in our nation, but let's never forget that we have brothers and sisters in Christ, that we were both blot by the same blood of Jesus. And yes, listen, okay, the Bible is very clear. There are some that come among us that were never part of us. There are some that come to deceive. There are some that, that come in sheep and wolves' clothing, okay? Wolf, wolf and sheep's clothing. Yeah, anyway, yeah, you get the point. There are some that kind of sneak in. But of our true brothers and sisters in Christ, we are together. And so we start focusing on each other and hurting each other and fighting with each other. And he's saying, hey, would you just come to the Father? We just turn to the Father and look to me. Look to the Father. Stop looking at all the noises and the crazy and the stuff around you. Be aware of the times and the days and the hours, yes, but do not forget to come home to the Father, to look to the Father. Because this is what the enemy has done. Maybe many of you guys have seen this illustration and heard it and all this stuff. I don't know if you've heard this, but if you go to the Southwest Desert and you catch a hundred red fire ants and you put them in a jar with 500 black ants you put them in a jar at first nothing happens at all they're in the the jar just hanging out doing life, doing all this stuff you take that jar, you shake it violently you shake it violently, you dump it out those ants fight each other until they're all dead, they kill each other they kill each other because this ant thinks that this ant did the shaking. And this ant thinks that colored ant did the shaking. And when the real enemy is the one who shook the jar. <laughs> the real enemy is the one that's that's causing all the confusion and the chaos. And that's exactly where we are. In the church, even Trump versus Biden, black versus white, mask versus no mask, vaccine versus no vaccine. And we don't ever stop and ask ourselves who's doing the shaking. You have an enemy that is trying to divide, destroy, and tear us apart. So would you guys stand with me? And I know there's all kind of feelings and and emotions that come with what we're walking through. And we want to hold on to what we believe in this moment to be fully true. and, And yes, hold on to that. But let us never, ever forget the fact that we have a heavenly Father that loves us, that calls us into sonship, daughtership, that we are adopted. And then that makes you part of this family. And for those that truly have God seal upon their heart the Holy Spirit inside of them. And it starts with simply putting your trust in Jesus that you cannot work your way to. You cannot become your own God. You cannot pull out something good inside of you because the truth of the matter is and you know it if you search deep enough there is nothing good in here on of and of yourself. Jesus comes and makes it good. He comes and washes it. Comes and makes it righteous. Comes and makes it holy. Comes and makes it pure. And then he says you're adopted you're new and I'm not gonna leave you. You are my son, you are my daughter. So that's where your relationship starts first off is with the father, with the father. And then he calls us into family together. Let's sing this song, come run to the father. Uh, Some more closing words after, after we sing this song.